crippling thoughts and dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real on Mystical Mode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Mystical Mode, where I give you guys my best opinions and hopefully you won't kill me for them later. Today, we're reviewing a novel called Wolf in the Hood by author Knight of Emperors on Inkit. Now, this author is not fairly popular and I'm not going to discuss their followers or viewing rates as I feel like that's kind of confidential stuff. Not to also mention they do not have anything in their bios, no reviews on the story yet. So if anything, I'm really talking about this story because I think it's pretty cool and I want to give this author credit because guys, that's what we're all here for. We're here to get our credit, we're here to be known, we're here to be seen. Authors need to help other authors. So when I saw the story, I was like, you know what, it doesn't have a lot of credit. It really does not. Not a lot of followers either. But at the same time, I think the story is definitely worth it. Followers and view rates, I really don't feel like they matter much when it comes into stories. Like, of course, if you're a popular author up on Inkid, Webpad, Dream, whatever, the sorts, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like your followers should not determine how good of a writer you are. I feel like the work you've shown, the work that you have put in, and the effort that you have put into your story should definitely show for the effort of who you are. It's not there to represent you. It's not there to make people look down on you. It's there to, I don't know, maybe get a fan base, but it's okay if you do not have one. It's definitely okay if you do not have one. It's all, at the end of the day, it's all about the work that you have. If your work is grade A, but you have grade, like, D followers, I mean, like, grade as in, like, like, level, like, you know, they have, like, oh, that's an A-class model or a B-class model or fan work like that. That's the way I kind of see it. So if you have an A-class work, but you have D-class like social status, it's fine. Not everybody's social like that. Some people just post their stories up on here just, you know, just do it for fun. But either way, I think the story is cool and I would really like you guys to read it. But aside from me blabbing on and on and on, it is actually a romance story, which I kind of find interesting. Considering where the story is taking place so far in the novel, I've only read up to so many chapters of it myself, but at the same time, for it to be romance, and it to be kind of flowing down this path. I don't know. Usually you would see fantasy romance or like the main, main topic built with a side topic of it. Like, you know, when you have a genre, oh, my thing's mainly going to be about fantasy, but it'll have some specs for romance and love in it. Oh, my main story is going to be about sci-fi, but it's going to have some specs of thriller in it. Oh, my story is about horror, but it's also going to have some humor in it as well. Like, you put main themes down, main themes that everybody knows and stuff like that before you put, like, the side. So for it to be romance, I don't know. I don't really have much to say about that, honestly. I find it a little bit, hmm, it's very interesting. Very interesting. And you also wrote, like, a cute little author's note. That's sweet and all. It's really, really nice. Love reading author's notes. I feel like they don't get get as much credit as they probably should. I feel like they're very important. 
because they tell you a lot about the author, why they're writing this, who they're, like, giving out recommendations, you know, the usual. But aside from that, let me stop blabbering on and on and on. Let's get into this reading of Wolf and Hood by Knights of Emperor. And this is voiced by Righteous Reaper. Let's get into this more mystical mode. Warning, this episode may include strong language, mature themes, descriptions of blood and gore, viewer discretion advised for mature audiences only. Back to the episode. Chapter 1. Moonlight Madness. He stuck his nose in the air, catching the sickly sweet scent as it wafted down the harbor side. Not again. Moving quickly and silently past the shipping yard, he picked up the scent trail. The toll of bells signaling a ship's arrival resounded loudly through the air, while lights flickered like fireflies in the sky. The scent trail mingled with a distinct taste of salt and cod. The harbor was a place where he often came to gather his thoughts. There were few people and many dark corners to dip into with practiced ease. He turned away to follow the sweet stench. The scent took him through a crisscross of back alleyways that were cloaked in shadow and smelt of rot. His paws fell silently against the concrete pavement, taking care not to cause disruption and wake one of the unfortunate souls curled up in their makeshift shelters. The last thing they needed to see tonight was a big black wolf dog marching around their territory. The putrid aroma grew stronger now, leading him down a side alley of Finch and 7th Street. Pulling at the back service door of a pizza parlor, his stomach dropped when he recognized the building. The blood-curdling wail of a woman erupted from inside, causing his fur to stand on end. He scratched at the door anxiously. Footsteps shuffled on the other side. With a creak, the door swung open, revealing the face of a gruff-looking man. His mouth was set in a firm line around an unkempt beard, and dark circles framed worried eyes. Despite the obvious lack of sleep, he lit up slightly when his gaze fell on the figure before him. Vincent, thank the goddess you've come. Your phone, I, I couldn't reach you. He moved his massive frame away from the door, bowing slightly as the beast stepped in, his height almost reaching up to the man's chest. She's upstairs. The beast shifted, body contorting and stretching as human limbs replaced the paws on the linoleum floor. He rose on a pair of long, muscular legs, smoothing out his short black hair. He surveyed the restaurant. Tables had been overturned and claw marks ran through the wallpaper, trailing all the way back into the kitchen. Vincent stood among the carnage of broken pots and dishes that had been forgotten in the chaos. A thick robe was brought to him by a small boy whose eyes darted down to his feet, his thin body struggling under the weight of the garment and dragging the black fabric on the floor. No doubt, another stray Roger had picked off the streets. Vincent could hardly remember them all, this place acting more like a halfway house than the restaurant it was intended to be. Giving a nod of thanks, he shrugged on the robe. The boy darted out of sight and was back again, this time depositing a pair of slippers at his feet. Vincent graciously slipped them on before tactfully making his way through the landmine of shattered dishware and towards the stairs tucked away on the other side of the kitchen. Roger stood at the bottom of the steps, nervously twisting a broom in his hand, giving his old friend's shoulder a reassuring squeeze. Vincent made his way up to the living quarters. Though heightened, his nose was not as keen in this form. Thank goodness, as the scent was getting noticeably stronger with each step, the invasive smell threatened to upheave his dinner. A single light shone out of a room on the far right of the hall. 
pained moans echoing off the walls, the sounds getting louder as he neared the source. Stepping over the threshold, his eyes were not prepared for the scene before him. An older woman lay strapped to the bed, bound by her ankles and wrists. She thrashed and moaned against the restraints. His heart sank. Gloria. No. A young woman sat by her side with a water basin, pressing a wet cloth on Gloria's naked body all the while cooing words of comfort. The older woman was covered in oozing red blisters and bloody brown fur. She was a twisted mess of human and beast, limbs bent all wrong and bones sticking out hideously. Beneath the deluge of skin and fur, drool leaked uncontrollably out of a mouth that was neither human nor wolf. The jaws not quite fitting together, one eye was completely covered in a massive sore, oozing red sludge and marring the side of her tanned face. The other eye was perfectly clear. The blue orb stared at him, unblinking, silently begging for salvation. Tears ran out of the eye while she suffered. The disease always seemed to flare with the rising of the moon, symptoms hastening when a wolf's power was at its peak. She was one of the worst cases of moon sickness yet, and she would be dead before dawn. His expression must have given that away as the young caretaker suddenly hung her head and started sobbing into the water basin. The sight and the stench of honey and rotting flesh consumed him. He couldn't bear it any longer. Vincent had seen enough. He turned and quickly made his way back downstairs, breathing in the slightly less toxic air. Roger paused his sweeping when he saw Vincent, his eyes hopeful for an answer. Vincent couldn't give. He shook his head. I'm sorry, Roger. The man dropped his broom, burying his face in his hands. Vincent didn't need to look to know the man was crying. The air was tinged with the scent of salt. I will get to the bottom of this, Roger, Vincent said fiercely. Mark my words, she will be the last. As he spoke to the would-be widower, his blood boiled. What had they done to incur the wrath of their goddess to plague their kind with such a wretched death? He had to figure it out before there were none left. Gather everyone next Friday at Caesar's, Vincent said, desperation and frustration sharpening his tone. Roger nodded stiffly in response, head still hanging with the news of his wife. Vincent headed to the back door. The least he could do was give them some privacy now. Pausing, he turned one last time towards his old friend. Roger... He spoke softly this time, adopting a gentle tone. The man warily lifted up his head, eyes grief-stricken. Don't let her suffer any longer. You should call Nymeria. Roger only nodded in understanding, turning to tread upstairs and spend these final hours with his beloved. Vincent turned to the door, dropping his robe as he shifted to all floors. Shaking out his fur, he pushed open the door and disappeared into the night. He broke into a run, breezing by city streets and dimly lit sidewalks as dark blur. Faster. He pushed his legs to carry him farther, further away from the stench of death, further away from the burden that he carried, forcing his mind into silence. He focused on his senses, the feel of his blood pumping, the sirens echoing down from a distant street, the smell, that smell. Passing by the back alley of an old factory, he again caught the scent of honey, but this time it was mixed with something else, a smell he had almost forgotten. It was bright and crackled, with energy like the skies before a storm magic. Vincent slowed down to a stop, heart thudding heavily in his chest as wheels started to churn in his head. His head turned upward to the building, where the scent pooled. Perhaps this was no mere sickness, after all. Okay, so there's not really a lot for me to dissect and for me to say for chapter one, other than, okay, there's this deadly disease going around, and they're trying to do their best to solve it, and it kind of fits it in a sort of way, but also at the same time, it gives weird descriptive details. I feel like 
the details that are used do not match the setting of the story, just in general. I don't know, I feel like it's just a little, little bit weird. Also, some other weird things in chapter 2, but we'll talk about that later. For now, let's talk about the weird setting that you got going on within the first chapter. He walks in, and he's like, oh, this is a restaurant type of dealio, but it's mainly used as, like, a shelter for other wolves and stuff like that. And, I don't know, I feel like that was just not clearly described well enough. I don't know, I don't really feel like they would keep a sick person in, like, a soup kitchen or something like that. Like, I don't know, I felt like the vibes were just not clicking with the setting just in general. Now, if they were runaways, yeah, sure, but the guy, um, the guy in Vince, he seemed very, very close. So clearly they're not, they're not new to one another, considering, like, you know, they're not new to one another. I don't know, I feel like maybe you should probably put more... No, no, I feel like you should also change the setting of it. I'd, um, maybe they singled them out away from everybody else because of the sickness is taking too much hospital beds. Maybe that's why they're there. I don't know. I just wish there was more descriptive detail about that. And also, it's a weird setting thing. Weird setting thing. I really didn't catch on to it. I really didn't understand it as much because it seems a little spottish. So you might want to work on that for the future. And also, your writing style is very... I want to say, mm, it's very interesting, actually. You kind of jump out and in a third, first, and second person all in one, but you do use, here I am about to make up another word, guys. You do italicize. Ugh. We should just make, like, a dictionary of words that Mystic makes. Oh, that would be amazing. But aside from that, you put, it, you put it in italics, which is nice, and it really, like, separates the thoughts and stuff like that. But aside from those facts, I really, I like it. It's cool. But sometimes it can be viewed as hectic. So if you're going to stick with third person, definitely do not try to go back to second person. And don't try to dip your pinky toe in with first person. Overall, overall, your thing is third person. So you need to write in third person. But beside that, chapter one is actually pretty good. I liked it. Well, F in the chat for the wife, but still, I liked it. It was nice. It was nice, to a certain extent, but just work on those details, and also work on developing your writing style more. In all honesty, it really just flip-flops back, and I'm just like, A, B, C, D, I. It's confusing, so <laughs> I would definitely recommend you switching it up and changing it in the future. Because, I don't know, maybe not switch it up or change it, maybe develop it more. And develop it more into just being third person because you're generally writing in third person and you try to add in first person thoughts which is fine and dandy but then you cross into the second person line and I'm just thinking to myself what are they doing but overall did a pretty good job I like it I like it so far it's it's very interesting and honestly it gets even more interesting in chapter two but enough of me blabbing on on and on let's get into chapter two I don't know about you, but I get tired of reading the same story over and over and over again. I just want to spice things up and really get out there, and I definitely have spiced up my reading list by adding The Silent Witness by author Kim. 
this story brings into a new light of Greek mythology, folklores, and just general legends. It is an amazing read that I highly recommend to anybody with a fantasy tooth who just can't wait to dig into new lining of life. So, with that in mind, read The Silent Witness and definitely, definitely enjoy. Link is in the bio. Chapter 2. The Color Red. She watched as the blood dripped from her finger, splashing onto the white paper strewn across the desk in a very Jackson Pollock kind of way. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Gosh damn paper cuts. Allie shoved her finger into her mouth, trying to wipe away the blood on the page with her other hand, only to succeed in spreading it further into a well-defined smudge. She did not want to have to run down to the hall to reprint one fucking page. She was already late for her meeting as it was. Allie was about to throw the paper on the floor with a magnificent screw-it-all attitude, when the glass door to her office suddenly burst open in a flourish of color and perfume. She squeaked in surprise, one-handedly hugging the papers against her chest. Allie, dear, everyone is waiting for you. Her grandmother waltzed into the room, draped in a loud yellow caped knee-length dress and strappy black heels that chimed off the marble floor, her modern attire adding a flare of youth to mask her true age. She looked Allie up and down. You're wearing that to the meeting? She pursed her lips in distaste, scrutinizing her. What? Allie removed her finger from her mouth, glancing down at her simple gray pantsuit and black blouse. Her favorite blouse. It's just, well, it's blah, darling. Grandmother waved her hand dismissively at Allie's choice of attire. I just want to ensure that we are making a good impression for our potential partners. Grandmother stepped up close, removing some lint from atop Allie's shoulder. Her smile was wide and plastered in place. The Botox helped, but Allie could still see the worry in the strained corners of her eyes. Try to be more alluring, Grandmother said, unbuttoning the top two buttons of Allie's blouse and ruffling her red bob, giving it a little fluff. A few more tweaks to Allie's hair and outfit, and then Grandmother stepped back. There. Much better. Allie blew away the hair covering her face while her grandmother eyed her from head to toe, looking quite satisfied with her five-second makeover. You know, I hear the CEO of KMC is quite the catch, and it has been a while since you dated. Who was that last man again? Michael Madden. Matt. Allie sighed, smoothing down her hair and buttoning her shirt back up. Gathering up her papers into a neat bunch, she marched down the hall towards the boardroom, not wanting to entertain that conversation any further. Walking away from her problems that had always been her strong suit, she didn't need to look back to know that her grandmother would be following close behind. Although Allie was the face of this company, it was really her grandmother, Chairman Eleanor Hoodman, who had the last word with any majority shares over their retail empire. The boardroom doors opened two rows of seated men huddled around a massive, luxurious, oval-long table. The only other woman in the room was Grandmother's assistant, Lexa, and she was seated on the far side by the two vacant chairs at the head of the table. All eyes fell on Allie as she walked in. Some stares held contempt, others held scrutiny. A board of wolves waiting for their sheep to trip and fall so that they could swoop in for the kill. Well, they would keep on waiting. Allie held her head high and took in the atmosphere of the room, surveying a mix of boredom and tension. A massive plasma monitor mounted on the side wall displayed a boardroom similarly filled with people, with two men as the heads. They had stopped speaking as soon as Allie and Eleanor had made their appearance. Allie knew they had interrupted the conference call. Apologies, gentlemen. I had some pressing matters to attend to. A total lie. Allie sat in her chair at the head of the table, folding her hands on the polished wood. Now, 
if anyone would be so kind as to get me up to speed. We were just discussing the financial projections for a potential merge with your CFO Hendricks, ma'am. One of the men on the screen spoke up. And you are? She turned to face the screen, tilting her head slightly in question. She noted, with mild surprise, that the speaker was attractive. Ryan Wolf, CFO of KMC Enterprise, and this is Howard, our COO. He gestured to the older, bearded gentleman beside him. Ryan had puffed out his chest a little when he announced their titles. Allie wasn't impressed. Then again, hardly anything impressed her at this stage in the game. She was, however, enjoying the view of his cute, dimpled face and the warm brown eyes that stared back at her. Framed by those wispy dark locks, she definitely wouldn't mind sitting in a few meetings with that pretty face. Eleanor's voice broke her thoughts before they turned into a full-blown workplace fantasy. I don't see your CEO with you, Ryan. Was he unable to attend? Rather unprofessional. She didn't bother to hide her annoyance, letting her Welsh accent slip through. Ryan and Howard exchanged a knowing look through the screen, as if on cue. The double doors to Allie's boardroom burst open, and in strode none other than the man himself, CEO of KMC, Mr. Vincent Woof. Allie jumped a little in her seat at the sudden intrusion. People have got to stop bursting through doors today. A timid, flustered woman ran after him while sprouting out about how he couldn't just come in without an appointment. Damn it, Janice. The woman needed to know when to call security. The first thing that Allie noticed about their new guest was that he was tall, very tall. Her head would probably just reach his collarbone if they stood side by side. She had to crane her neck to look up at his towering six-foot-something frame, and she did. It was a mistake. Hello. A pair of calculating blue eyes stared out, addressing the room. Wolf's hair was short and black, and a light stubble framed a chiseled jaw that held just enough of a playful smirk to entice you closer. He was trouble. Yummy trouble. Allie swallowed hard, trying to compose herself. Okay, when Grandmother had said he was a catch, she wasn't exaggerating. The man turned back to address Janice, who was still trying to catch her breath from behind him. If you could introduce me to the CEO, I would be much obliged. His voice was deep and commanding. And Allie was sure that all of the women in the immediate vicinity had just sat up a little taller. She included. Janice blushed when he gave her a slight smile and suddenly fluttered her eyelashes at him. Oh, for crying out loud. Janice, the secretary, was now Janice, the butterfly. Oh, of course, right this way, Mr. Wolf. She trotted to the far side of the table where Allie sat, extending a hand. I'd like to introduce you to our CEO. Pleasure. He shook Hendrick's hand. Hendricks, who accepted the handshake, was seated on Allie's right. It would seem we have much to discuss. Hendricks swallowed hard and simply nodded in return. Allie wondered if he could feel the two men staring daggers into his back for not correcting Mr. Wolf's mistake. Ahem, <clears throat> Vincent. The two men on the screen attempted to get his attention, pointing at Allie discreetly. Mr. Wolf furrowed his brow in confusion. Allie had enough. Well, on days like today, it would seem I do have my hands full, especially with people coming in unannounced, interrupting our meeting. Allie spoke up like she hadn't just done that herself, but this was her empire to rule, and she would be damned if she went unnoticed on her own turf. A look of surprise flickered across Vincent Wolfe's face as he turned to her. My apologies, Miss Hoodman. Vincent extended a hand, a poker face set firmly in place. If he had any embarrassment over the incident, he sure knew how to hide it. Ignoring his outstretched hand, she waved towards the chair at the opposite end of the table. Have a seat, Mr. Wolf. 
His eyes hardened slightly, meeting her gaze head-on. Vincent stared at her for an uncomfortable minute before clearing his throat and gliding elegantly towards the seat at the other end of the table. Allie grudgingly admired his walk. It looked so elegant and dangerous at the same time. Our apologies for the surprise visit, Ryan piped up from the screen. Our CEO can be a bit eccentric, and he wanted to introduce himself in person. That's an understatement. Allie threw a glare in the CEO's way, and he was returned with a raised eyebrow and a smirk ghosting his lips. Cheeky. The meeting progressed without any further interruptions, but she could feel his curious eyes on her. It made her squirm in her seat. She felt like she had horns on her head or something. Stop fucking staring at me. She scowled at the other end of the table, earning herself another amused grin. Fuck. He was getting on her nerves, and it would seem Grandmother had picked up on the tension as well, her eyes calculating the situation while her lips drew into a thin line. Sounds good. I'll draw up the paperwork with the proposed adjustments and we'll be in touch next week to finalize it, Ryan was saying, pulling Allie from her staring contest. Vincent started to get up. Perfect. Thank you, Ryan. We look forward to this new partnership with- No, not next week. We'll finalize next month. Eleanor's voice rang out, cutting him off. Allie's head swiveled to her grandmother with a questioning gaze. She may have missed out on a little of the conversation during the silent standoff between her and Vincent, but she knew enough to know that waiting one month would only create more uncertainty among the shareholders. The stock had already dropped 30 basis points over the last few days, and they couldn't handle the sell-off risk for much longer. An announcement should be made now. Vincent sat back down. There was a pause of confusion on the other end of the conference call. Um, pardon me, chairman, but that would put the stock evaluations at risk. There is already uncertainty with the takeover bid. It's best to make it public as soon as possible for your sake. Ryan spoke out, voicing her concerns. Unlike Allie, however, his voice became quieter the longer Eleanor looked at him. Allie flickered a glance at him in amusement. Ah, Eleanor's intimidating stare still scares people even if they weren't physically in a room with her. Eleanor waved a hand dismissively. We will use this time to come up with a proper and effective PR strategy. At least give us the grace to put on the facade that this was mutual, after you so generously waved your wallet at our shareholders like they were common whores. She rose out of her chair, walking over to Vincent with confident, measured strides. Come on, Chairman, let's not make this hostile. Take the olive branch, we can help your company reach new heights together. Vincent's tone was soothing, but the subtle threat had landed. Several board members coughed around the table, loosening their ties as if the room had suddenly gotten a few degrees hotter under the sweltering image of their money vanishing with the whims of one man. Everyone watched Eleanor silently with bated breath. Allie noticed a familiar glint in Grandmother's eyes. It was the look Grandmother got when she was cooking up a plan. Oh no. You assume too much, Mr. Wolf, now. Why a tech company would be interested in retail is beyond me but I believe the CEO would benefit from learning more about our company first. No, I think you should take the proposed month to work here with Allie once a week, since he is so keen on coming to visit, give you the time to figure out if this is really the deal you want to make. Do you think you could fit that into your busy schedule, Mr. Wolf? Allie stared at Grandmother in disbelief. Was this punishment? Was she punishing her for being late? For not dressing up and sticking her cleavage out? The last thing she wanted to do was play tour guide for an entitled CEO. And then she remembered the mischievous twinkle in grandmother's eyes. Suddenly, it all clicked in her head. Oh dear God. She was toying with him. How very like grandmother to punish her toy with Vincent while still diplomatically smoothing through their merger. Very well. 
Vincent said as he stood up to shake her hand, seemingly unfazed by the idea. Grandmother smiled at him, and he smiled back. It was terrifying. They appeared to be having their own sort of silent conversation as they stared at one another, an unspoken challenge hanging in the air. Allie was left with the short end of the stick and was not included in their telepathic conversation. She'd be damned if she got left out of the discussion. I don't think this is very wise. We haven't finished wrapping up a few deals and it would be foolish to let an outside company meddle in our day-to-day -day affairs. Allie tried to reason, tapping her finger on the polished wood. I would be but a mere fly on the wall, Vincent put in helpfully. Not. Oh, I agree with the fly part, Mr. Wolf, but you can go fly off elsewhere until the merger is complete. And if he didn't stop looking at her with those pretty blue eyes, she would give him something to buzz about. Allie! Grandmother's sharp tone and firm glare was enough to silence her. You and Mr. Wolf will be working together. It will be good for company relations and exposure. Now, why don't you show him to your office while he wrap things up? Allie felt like a child getting spanked on the ass and told to go to her room. What's worse? It was in front of the board. Her face burned in mortification. Biting her lips against any retorts, she got up, nodded politely at the room, and then marched out. Follow me, Mr. Wolf. She snapped, motioning to him. I'm sure we can find some floors for you to mop or something. That is, if you were planning on being useful at all. Allie bravely ignored Grandmother's piercing glare. Vincent followed her out, easily matching pace as she marched down the hall. Oh, that seems like a vast waste of my talent, Mrs. Hoodman. I'm sure I could serve you better in other areas. Allie's ears flushed at the silkily delivered comment, her mind running in lewd circles. However, she refused to acknowledge his words and continue with her brisk march toward the office. She would make sure he knew exactly who he was dealing with. There is no doubt in my mind that chapter two. Oh my god, chapter two put me on my knees. I was geeking so hard after reading chapter two. For several reasons. First off, when he said we'll find something, it killed me when it says, well, we'll give you a bucket of mops so you can actually be useful for us. And he is like, I'm not really good with that, but I'm useful in other areas. When I tell you, I yeeted myself from my chair. It was so overly dramatic. It, it almost killed me. Somebody ran into my office and was just like, what's going on? What's happening? Mr. Q, are you okay? And I'm just sitting there, like, dying. Spazzing dying. Like, snot dripping down your nose, just crying. It caught me so off guard. And it definitely showed. Like, even, like, that laugh that, like, that laugh that you didn't even know existed inside of you came out. And I was just dead. Oh, my God. It was spectacular spectacular and the tension behind it oof muy guapo oh my god mi amor got me speaking a different language oof it's fiery and it's hot but with that in mind if you are not age appropriate to be reading the story as it is rated 18 and up don't be reading it after the first five paragraph email that i got which i'm not gonna let go either don't read it I don't, I don't need that credit in my life. Aside from that, beautiful. Oh, you're still catching me off guard with that writing style of yours when you switch it back and forth. The only thing I can only say that's really good about your writing style is that when you're having first-person thoughts, you in, oh, intellicize it. Oh, intellicize it. You put it in italics. 
and I really appreciate that, and I really, really like it. But aside from that, it's still kind of confusing reading back and forth between first, third, and second person. For somehow, somehow, you were able to throw all of that into one mix. I do not know how you were able to do that. Um, it's I don't even know how to do it myself, but you did it. You did it. It's very weird, but you did it. But aside from that, another thing that also confuses me. If when Vincent is talking about their um company and stuff like that, and how it's like the underground of New York and how they have so much power, then if that's really the case, then why do they even need to have the business deal with the company? Because at first he's like, oh, I smell the same scent that literally is killing my fa- killing my friends and family in this building, so it must be magic and stuff like that. So he thought he was going to buy out the whole entire company. But it turns out they're really deeply embedded in, like, they're the Empire Empire. So it gets me, I don't know, basically they were talking about stocks and, like, they're going down by 30. And in all honesty, if they're such a huge empire, why would they need somebody else? Now, if anything, I would probably switch it around to make it make make more sense. If anything, I would say we need materials that only the werewolves have that we need, and the werewolves need them to figure out how to end this terrible disease, you know? I feel like something along those lines would fit just 20 million times better, because if they're such, like, if they're such grade-A badass bitches, then why do they need another company? Of course, the company is bigger than them, but at the same time, why would they need some company when they're running a little underground empire? Now, I don't know about you, but if I had the money to be running my own underground empire, I sure as ham sandwich would not be sneezing up to anybody else while making a partner deal. Just makes no sense. Honestly, though, if I was in a mafia, that would definitely also hurt my pride. Like, extremely hurt my pride. So for you to have that in there, I don't know. I felt like that was weird. I feel like the the plot itself is good. I like the plot. Oh, I love where this plot is going. But just keep that in mind as you continue running. I feel like they should need something from the other company and the company needs something from them as well hence why they're making a partner deal so they can both benefit equally instead of one depending on another even though they're supposed to be some ragatang like mafia group like in a sense like mafia of new york so maybe just keep that in mind the grandmother god bless the grandmother the grandmother she is fabulous absolutely fabulous she gives me the I'm old, but I'm not dead vibes. Now, for the guys who don't know that saying, it's kind of saying like, no, it's I'm old, but I'm not dead. So basically kind of saying like, I'm old, but I'm not dead yet, so I can still do whatever I want that I've been doing. And that's on period. You cannot tell me anything. I will do what I do when I want to do it. If I want to sit up here and look like a baddie, then that's exactly what I am going to do. Which is facts, and which is the vibes that this woman gives me. Shoot, I would definitely be scared of her as well. But at the same time, she's loving, she's motherly, and super sweet. But at the same time, it makes you raise the question, where are her parents? Dun, dun, dun. It's just me trying to get you guys more invested in the story, because I swear to you, it killed me. Oh my god, when I tell you, I already told you guys, I was wheezing. Jesus, when they came up to the mop scene, I was dead. 
I was so dead. But aside from that, it's really, really good. I generally like it. It's pretty cool. I feel like you put italics in some things that should not be in italics, but you're using it to make an emphasis. Just don't make too many emphasis. Because it's just the same thing as, like, using too much of anything. It usually, like, it usually loses its effect. Like, if you keep taking, I don't know, if you take, like, aspirin every single day, you have a headache. Well, eventually, aspirin will stop working, so you would have to use some other type of medicine to relieve your headache. So, don't try to overly do it with intelligent stuff, you know? Sometimes the words, the descriptive words you use after to explain the dialogue speaks a lot harder and a lot faster than the actual, you know, Intellics or Intellicize. You know, I keep using that word. I might actually go up to Webster or like some dictionary company try to sell that word. I'm I think I might make it a word, guys. I really do. If you want me to make it a word, send comments or email me or something like that. I don't know. I feel like I need some type of motivation or support to actually go through and try to change the English dictionary. That'd be <laughs> that'd be super cool. Mystic adds the word Intellicize to the U, not U.S., to the English Dictionary. How long will this word go? Or something like that. I've, oof, would I even get a certificate if I made a word? That'd be cool to have your own certificate. Here lies, oh my god, that sounds like I'm dead. Mystic, inventor of the word, intelicized. That's a nice ring to it, right? Yeah, I know all of you guys are shaking your head, yes. You guys want me to go through with this? I'll Google it. I'll definitely Google it. If I can make this a word, that would be the highlight of my day. Highlight of my life. Imagine making a word. Imagine going out of your way, making up a word that you think sounds stupid, but people will find it cool, and doing it, and going out, and making it in a dictionary. So in the next volume of a dictionary, your word is in there. Bro, they better give me, like, credit or, like, an like acknowledgement or something. I better be somewhere announcing that paper next to that word, because I'll, I'll be damned if I let anybody take credit for my word. And don't you guys take it either. But aside from that, don't overdo it. Because I feel like it loses its meaning if you do it so many times in a row, if you constantly just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. I want it to be fresh, free, and very nice. But aside from that, I... Oh, what also confuses me is that, like I said, you shouldn't make their company seem weaker, more like the fact that they need something from them, that they just want to have it, and they're so used to controlling things, because they're an empire. What they need something from the wolves, and that's what they're trying to get. That would make more sense, especially when the fact that they're trying to go through with the proposal after a week because they're losing stocks. So for them to go through this proposal for a whole month, it's literally bankruptcy knocking on your door. I do not know much about businesses. I do, well, I do, but not in this field. Retail is not my forte. If anything, if they were doing that after a month, after a week, one week, 30 stocks. Don't know how much that is, but it seems like a lot. Imagine a whole month of that, which is three to four weeks, depending on the month, you know? That's a lot of residue to lose on a par partnership that they might or might not even have. So I really feel like you should wish that. I feel like, I really feel God imagine speaking clearly. And I recommend that you switch that around just to make it make more sense. There's a material that they want and only they have it and they just want to be partners so they can both have it or something like that. But the story itself where they would have to meet every week 
Oh my god, I can only imagine the trouble or the pleasantries that they would get into. And already, right off the bat, we can definitely tell that they are mates. Which is another interesting thing that I cannot wait to see, considering that Allie might have some hidden powers. Who knows? You would have to read the story to find out. But that's enough of me blabbering on and on and on and on. Ugh, that last question was cool. Make you guys interested. But like I said before, like I said before, enough of me blabbing on. My overall rating for the story, as it already does not have a rating, ugh, I would plot definitely five stars. Love the plot. The plot is adorable, and it's so, oh, that, the mob and the Aries thing made me cry. So plot definitely gets the four stars from me. Grammar and punctuation, I didn't see much errors with it, but some words or some sentences are worded very weirdly. So I would give it a four out of five for the current moment. You can definitely improve in the future. Mm. Uh, for writing style. Writing style is just very interesting. Um, you really don't keep, you really don't keep clear thoughts like that. So, for right now, when it comes to your writing style, I'll give it a 3 out of 5. Because it's just, it's good. You tell the story. But it's just so wham, bam, shakalaka, bam. You know, it's Somehow, you have literally managed to use first, second, and third person in your writing while still keeping clear consecutive thoughts of the person's thoughts with italicizing their thoughts. Yes, that sounds so cool. We're really going to make that a word, you guys. But aside from that, I don't know. It's just work on it. Work on it. What your overall rating for me? Mm, it gets 3.8. 3.8 stars for the story. Definitely. A solid 3.8. You did a really, really good job. And I know you're not really known around the NK community and stuff like that. I don't know if it's because you were not posting about it or anything like that. Or maybe you're not really used to the app or maybe you've just started using the app. But anyway, here's your mini little debut. I hope you go far. And guys, this story. Oh my god. This story. This story, this story, this story. The words that I would use to describe this story would be one, interesting, two, hilarious, and three, mysteriously majestic. It's amazing. Did a great job. Hand claps and kudos to you. But that's all the time we have for today as we've kept it real on this new mystical mode. Catch you guys later. Hey guys, Mystic here. Help support the podcast with monthly donations. Reviewing novels is a highlight of my life, and I adore all of your novels and comments. Help us keep the podcast alive and to help pay our wonderful team of editors and voice actors. Till next time, catch you guys later.